0: Hey peeps, welcome back. If you are a dedicated listener to the pod, then you may remember I've done a few episodes covering the various indigenous conflicts with the United States, including the Seminole Wars. Shortly after one of those episodes came out, I connected with a representative of Fort King, a key locale in the conflicts. Today, Fort King is a National Historic Landmark open to the public where visitors can experience the fort and learn about Florida history and enjoy trails and artifacts from the past. Kathleen is the Historical Program Coordinator at Fort King in Florida. She holds a master's degree in history with a focus on Florida and Native American history. Prior to starting at Fort King, she worked as a teacher for six years where she provided civics and history education for middle and high school students. When not sharing her passion for Florida and indigenous history, Kathleen is a baker and a writer where she hosts a history blog. I was so excited to have her on and chat with her about the Seminole, the Fort, and what it's like working in the public history space. I hope you all enjoy the interview. All right, everybody, welcome. With me today is Kathleen, and she is a uh, representative of Fort King, which is in Florida. So before we dive into kind of the crux of the matter and what she's here to talk to us about today, I wanted to give uh, Kathleen a moment to tell the audience a little bit about yourself and the work that you do.
1: Hi, everyone. My name is Kathleen. Um, I am the historical program coordinator at the Fort King National Historic Landmark in Ocala, Florida. I create the programs, uh, I help with the exhibits, and I pretty much run the site and make sure that everything goes smoothly here while teaching everyone about what happened.
0: Great. And so we originally connected over Instagram regarding an episode that I did about the second Seminole war. And so I am curious, how did you become interested in the history of the Seminole tribe?
1: Well, I actually used to be a teacher and I learned about the site when I brought my kids for a field trip here one year. And then I saw a position opened, applied, and just dived right into the history of the Ford, the Seminole Tribe, and that's pretty much how I spend a lot of my free time, is just continuing to research more and more about it.
0: So, awesome. And so for those who may not know, who were the Seminole and what impact did they make on the surrounding landscape?
1: The Seminole Tribe was originally, um, parts of them were from Georgia and other areas that during the Creek Wars uh, started migrating down this way. Some of them have been here for a while. Um, they're pretty much an amalgamation of different tribes and groups that came together and started residing in Florida. They've actually been around since the late 1700s in the area.
0: And I covered the series of conflicts with the Seven All on the show. But what would you say was their reasons for engaging in those conflicts with the United States?
1: Um, so I went to a conference uh, for the Seminole War, and based on what I learned there, uh, they just wanted to be left alone. This was their land. This was their home. They had already moved once or a couple times before, um, and they didn't want to fight. They kept trying to back themselves up more and more to get away from what was going on um, until they found themselves backed into a corner, and they had to fight back. They really just, they just wanted to live their life in their home.
0: And what would you say, (laughs) uh, how did their experience with various engagements influence their perception of the United States government?
1: Well, based on a lot of documents that I've read, you can tell there was a distrust. Um, They didn't believe a lot of the promises that the government was giving to them because they kept breaking those promises. And then you have General Jessup, who comes in and captures some of the major war leaders under a white flag of truce, which not only made the Seminoles distrustful, but a lot of civilians, too, across America when they heard about it.
0: And there was several treaties and broken treaties. Did you get a sense from from the documents that you've read that this kind of information or this distrust or, uh, untrustworthiness of the United States government did that kind of spread throughout the tribes of like, Hey, don't, don't trust these guys.
1: Um, I really haven't seen much on that, but I know reading, uh, some of the documents, uh, was very adamant about, Hey, we signed the Moultrie treaty and that gave us 20 years before we had to leave. Now you can forced us to sign this other one that we all didn't agree on, which isn't a good treaty. And now you're saying we have three years. We're sticking to the 20 years. That's what we went with the first time. That's you need to stick to what you told us. Mm -hmm. So there was a lot of pushback um, by the Seminoles of you can't do this. We went with the one thing. Now you're trying to change it and we don't agree. Mm -hmm.
0: And I know in my episodes, I've touched on the Seminole leader, Osceola. Um, And so, but, you know, I think we didn't didn't get a chance to really dive into who he was. So can you touch on a little bit about who was he and what influence did he have over the rest of the tribe?
1: So, Osceola was a war leader. Um, There's a common misconception that he was a chief. He wasn't, he couldn't hereditarily be a chief um, because he was thought to be um, part Creek and part Scottish. Um, But he, from document, he was Osceola or Micanopy's right hand man. He kind of rose up in the ranks. Um, Osceola or Asiyahola is a translation for black drink singer. So he had this like powerful, I guess you could say vibe about him and influence. And a lot of people followed him uh, into battle and stayed with him up till the end.
0: And so as we kind of mentioned at the beginning, you work at Fort King. So what is Fort King and what can guests expect when they come to visit your site?
1: Fort King was originally built in 1827 um, to help protect the Seminoles from white settlers after the Treaty of Moultrie Creek. Um, It was there throughout the Second Seminole War. It got burned down, um, got decommissioned after it was built again. A lot of history behind it. We've actually reconstructed the second fort on the site, the original site of where it was located. Um, We have 45 acres of beautiful land surrounding the fort. People can come and check out the fort, go inside it, um, go up into the blockhouses and look out and kind of get a lay of what the land would have looked like at the time. We also have a nearby Seep Spring walking trail and a couple um, buildings that hold artifacts um, and other exhibits where people can learn about the Seminoles, the Seminole War, and Fort King.
0: And before we started recording, you were talking about, you know, some of the events that you'd been planning. And, and so I'm inferring here, um, are there like guided tours that people can go on or are there like rangers that are on site that can provide some information for visitors? So we have
1: volunteers that uh, can do tours and we do um Field trips and such. Uh, we are a city park that holds a national landmark. So it's a little bit special how we uh, work. Um, we have festivals where you can come out, see demonstrators, kind of like Pioneer Days. <laughs> I'm trying to think of what else there is. I know we're building a blacksmith shop um, that will be a fully functioning working blacksmith shop that people can actually come and learn how to blacksmith like the 1830s. Uh, mm-hmm. So there are some activities that are on hand, brew-making classes, things like that, that people can come out and experience.
0: And is there um, a lot of engagement or involvement from from local Indigenous tribes? We work with the
1: Seminole Tribe of Florida. Um, They uh, come up during the festival and participate in that as demonstrators um, a lot of the stuff that we have on site, like we have a large gathering Seminole Chiqui that was built by the Seminole tribe. Um, a lot of our inter- interpretation uh, was created by the Seminole tribe to make sure that their voice was heard when we put everything together.
0: Awesome. And so what were some of the things that surprised you about the Seminole since you started working at Fort King?
1: Not really a surprise. Um, I studied some Native American history in college. Um, But one of the biggest things is that this fight isn't over. They're still fighting against government policies that do not benefit them or actually a detriment to them. They're fighting with the missing and murdered indigenous women. That is a huge issue. Um, Things like if someone creates commits a crime on the reservation and then leaves, they don't have a way to then punish that person or bring them back. There's jurisdiction issues. So this fight, while America called it three wars to them, it was one long war and it's still not really over because there's still a lot of issues they're dealing with today.
0: Hmm. And you kind of touched on it a little bit when you were talking about festivals and how you're you're building kind of some of these immersive experiences. But what was for, or excuse me, what was life like at Fort King?
1: Um, it was not easy. Uh, imagine no air conditioning in the hottest of summers. <laughs> Your nearest water source. Is being used by everyone and everything. Um, you know, Florida is known for lots of rain in the summer, heat, mosquitoes, snakes, panthers, alligators. They're having to deal with all of that. Plus, it was so far from the main areas of government that supplies were limited. There was often times that they would go days, weeks without real food. Um, so life wasn't easy. They did the best that they could, um, but it was not, not something I would want to go back into, into time and do.
0: <laughs> and so the Fort King now it's a, it's a public history site. You can get, you get visitors. I'm imagine from all over the country, maybe all over the world. And so what's your favorite part of working at a public history site?
1: Just the fact that I get to be around history every day, literally submerged in history. Um, just the other day, I got to hold a, a arrowhead, like a spear point, that was somewhere between two and four thousand years old. Um, that was found on our site. So there's so much history here, not just from Fort King originally, but all the way back into um, the Paleo Indian times. So. It's really great, and then I get to teach people about what happened here, um, and like you said, all over the world. Just this summer, we had people from Belgium here, so it was really a fun experience. Um, and getting to meet new people, getting to work with the tribe, and like creating new things—it's it's a lot of fun. That's
0: so cool, and I I've. Had other previous uh, public historians on the show before. So I, I always like to ask this question, you know, what advice would you give for somebody who's looking to get into the public history space?
1: Look in places you wouldn't think. Hmm. I know that sounds crazy, but uh, when I was looking for a historian type of job, uh, I looked so many places, but never my own city. Mm. Um, And it's amazing how much is done by cities and counties for historical places. So start looking there, look in your own town, you'd be surprised at how much is already there. Um, And that's how I found this job was just
0: going on my city website. Awesome. Hey. Every little bit uh, helps. I've had people say, you know, networking is really important, and going to conferences is really important, and so. But I think that's a great thing. Look in your own backyard; you'd be surprised at what you you would find in terms of local local museums and history. And so, you've touched on how the the fort works with the the Seminole tribe today, and and so I am curious: what are some ways you think we can highlight Indigenous voices and stories in the public history space?
1: We need to go to them. It's not our place to tell their story. Um, Their voice should be heard from their viewpoint, their perspective, what they grew up learning. Um, The stories are not always going to match up, but it is very important that their voice is heard from them. Um, And also understanding that anything indigenous did not stop at that point in time, it continues today in kind of making those connections wherever you're at between history and current uh, times and current events. Hmm.
0: And so is there anything else, you know, either about Fort King or about the Seminole tribe or even about the public history work that you do that we haven't touched on that you want to discuss today?
1: I feel like Fort King is kind of put into a little Bucket because it's part of the Seminole War, um, but when you look at it and when you look at the the Seminole Wars um, in Florida, what was happening here, um, it really is part of the larger picture of Jackson's Indian removal policies, and it really does make a great case study because you can see what happened here, you can see it everywhere across the nation. It wasn't just um, at this site. Um, but a lot, you can see a lot of those changes of it went from, the fort originally went from protecting the Seminoles to trying to move them out, to trying to get them to go west. So you, that happened everywhere.
0: And the Fort King being kind of like representative of, of the Jackson policy, is that something that you try to weave into a, uh, a visitor's experience when they when they visit the site?
1: I definitely do. Um, from teaching uh, history in school, I know that that touches on some of the Florida standards um, with Jackson's policies. So it, it is there. That connection is there. And it's very important for people to realize that this wasn't just a, a Florida thing. This was a nationwide. Very nice nationwide thing.
0: And so and any any other tidbits or fun facts about Fort King that you'd like to add?
1: Well, if you are in the Florida Central Florida area, we have a festival December third and fourth where you can come out and see the fort, see tons of reenactors, demonstrators, everything from um, seminal life to military life to settlers and women. Um, follow us on Facebook, and you can see all of the programming that we do. Um, you can; it's a really great place to have some fun, but also uh, just get a good feel of what history was like at the time.
0: Awesome. So peeps, definitely go check out Fort King, especially if you're in the Central Florida area. And Kathleen, again, thank you so much for coming on and and sharing your knowledge and talking nerd history with me. I always love when people are willing to come and be geeks with me. So uh, thank you so much for coming on.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Well, there you have it, peeps. I hope you enjoyed our chat as much as I did. To learn more about the upcoming events at Fort King, be sure to check the site out on Facebook. I have put the links to the site and their Facebook page in the show notes for this episode. And lastly, my heartfelt thanks to Kathleen for coming on to the show and sharing her experiences. Thanks, peeps. I'll see you next week. Thanks for tuning in, and I hope you enjoyed this episode of Civics and Coffee. If you want to hear more small snippets from American history, be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for joining me, and I look forward to our next cup of coffee together.